Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today, for week one of our month-long Women Leaders series, we're sitting down with Julie Mullins. Julie and her husband, Todd, are the senior pastors of the rapidly growing multi-site Christ Fellowship Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Lean in as Julie delves into what matters most, shares the importance of why moments matter, and gives us insight into why team health matters. This leadership conversation is going to help you. So... Let's get started. We are back, everybody, for another episode of the Avail podcast, where we talk the art of leadership. And I am honored, blessed, and happy to be accompanied with an amazing pastor, Pastor Julie Mullins, who, along with her husband, Pastor Todd Mullins, Pastor an amazing church, Christ Fellowship in West Palm Beach, Florida. Pastor Julie, we're so happy to be here with you. How are you feeling today? Hey, I'm doing great. Now that I'm here with you, Pastor Virgil, you've got so much energy, and I'm just really pumped about being a part of this today. We also love you, love your church, love everything that you're doing. So really honored to be here. Awesome. Well, I want to I want to get kind of right into the conversation, but I know that there are some leaders, some pastors, some people that are leaning in. A lot of people know who you are, but some are leaning in saying, hey, who is Julie Mullins? Could you share with us a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are right now? Yeah, just a little bit. My husband, Todd, and I, we met in the seventh and eighth grade um, when I was invited to a church youth group. I did not even know what a youth group was, but I heard there were going to be some cute guys there. So I accepted, right? And so when I walked through the doors of a church for the very first time as a very broken 13-year-old girl who was headed down a very destructive path, I found what I didn't even know I was looking for. I Mm. found people who began to just invest in me, um, youth leaders that that called out the God thing in me, and they made Jesus look so attractive that it took away my taste for everything the world had to offer. And that's why I, I just love church. And I also found one of those cute guys. So um, Todd and I dated on and off all the way through high school and college. I always say that it was more off than on. He says more on than off, but since I'm the one talking, I'll tell you the real story. But um, Todd came home from college um, from after a very long extended off season. He was in college in Indiana. I was here in Florida. We had not been dating for 18 months. And um, and he came home on a winter break. We went out with our church youth group during that winter break, had pizza together, hung out. And then one Saturday night after um, after I was working at a local department store, he asked me if I would go out to dinner. And I thought, well, that's nice. You know, one-on-one date. I thought we were going to go out to pizza. He took me out to a really nice restaurant. Now, I want to remind you again, we had not been dating for 18 months, right? Wow. Um, we had just an occasional phone call, a few letters. And at the end of that night, Todd got down on one knee and he asked me to marry him. I mean, he wanted to seal the deal before he went home on the winter break. And as soon as I broke up with the um, other person, I was kind of in an on again, off again relationship with and um, and and just got over the initial shock. I said yes. And I should have known it was going to be a wild ride. But we jumped into ministry right after we got married. Um, I, we've been married and planted in the same church for 35 years, the church that his parents planted. And and our role, my role has changed probably 35 times in 35 years. Um, before we got before we got married, I was the, the volunteer that just kept showing up. The church was so small that I was actually the young adults ministry. And, um, and I just found that opportunity came in proximity with really great leaders. And I just kept showing up. And I still think today that 85% of ministry is really just showing up. I was in children's ministry and worship ministry, student ministries. And for the past 11 years, we've been the senior pastors. And I I love the assignment that we're on, but I've loved how God has just used every assignment, every step of the way. And I say a lot that, um, that even though my assignment has changed, my calling has really stayed the same Mm. to love God, to serve people, to build his church, to create a place and a space where people that are far from God can find them and find the John 10, 10 full abundant life. And that's what I love doing. That's my calling is just to, to build the church strong and beautiful. What a great story. Thank you for sharing that. I think I love, I love your guys' story. Cause there's, there, it, 
it's a it's a story in the church. Like it's a church story and it's your life story yeah. intertwined. I love that. My wife and I have a, a lot of similarities uh, and I really appreciate that. But one thing I just want to say off the top for all of our listeners and viewers is that um, I have been personally blessed by uh, what you what you guys do at Christ Fellowship, the Christ Fellowship Conference, which I'm sure we'll mention that a little bit later on in the program. Um, the way that you and your team are so accessible and willing to help other churches and pastors is really exemplary. So just, I just want to say, I'm a fan. Love you guys. I'm thankful for you guys. You guys did a great job, Pastor Julie. <laughs> Thank you. It's an honor to do it. Thank you so much. So as we were preparing for this uh, podcast, um, you mentioned that you realized, uh, and here, let's just get into this conversation already, right? The importance of truly reflecting on what matters most. You talk about as a wife, as a mom, as a pastor, as a leader. Can you unpack, as we talk about just what matters most, can you unpack this a little bit for us? Yeah, well, I have to back up just a little bit because this kind of came out of an experience I had just a little while back. See, we have one son, his name's Jefferson, and um, and he, because of some challenges, he required a lot of time and energy as he was growing up, and I homeschooled him, and he really was a miracle story from day one. Mm. Um, I thought I was going to have five children, and God brought me one amazing son, and like I said, he had many challenges, but sometimes God does a miracle in a minute. And sometimes he takes you on a journey of miracles. And that was our that was our story with Jefferson. And in, in 2020, we just saw the culmination of so many God moments. And he graduated from college and he actually met the love of his life, Cassie, and asked her to marry him. And so during the June of 2020, think about that, as if leading through politics crisis and the social crisis and the pandemic weren't enough stress, um, we were actually planning a very large wedding. But wow. you can imagine every week the plans started to change. And three, we, we weren't sure if we were going to have a, a wedding of 300 or 500. And then it came down to, are we going to have just 10 people in the backyard? Um, we didn't know what we were going to do. But three weeks ahead of the date, we finally got clearance to have a small wedding of about 75 people. We rushed to get things together and f- just had everything all set at a beautiful venue in our downtown area in West Palm Beach. And then two days before the wedding, um, there were some riots downtown. And so with two days notice, we had to change the venue. And so it was absolutely crazy. And I was, you know, I was the one kind of planning the whole event. And so it was really stressful. But I decided like that two days before that I was going to enjoy every single minute. That, that I could, at this point, two days before I couldn't control anything, I, I couldn't do anything about what was happening. I was just going to be in the moment. And mm. if, if you know me at all, people that know me would know that I'm very rarely in the moment. I'm always like out ahead, thinking ahead. So during this time, it was like, it was just this beautiful moment. And Todd actually came in at the rehearsal dinner and he was like, Julie, did you take something? Because you are so calm and so relaxed. And I was like, no, I just felt like there was this beautiful anointing, right? To enjoy mm that moment, there was this peace and joy and just incredible celebration. And then the day after the wedding, something very different happened. There's, there's a reason there are no pictures taken the day <laughs> after, no photographer around. And so um, I was just so shocked because the day after the wedding, um, Todd tells a story, you know, he, he was walking around the house looking for me and he did find me and I was in Jefferson's room and I was actually in his bed crying my eyes out, which between wow. Todd and me, I'm not the crier, right? Um, and so I started to tell him, he's like, Julie, what is wrong? I mean, this was just like the biggest day of celebration. I'm going, honey, it's like, you know, that the, you know how I always say Jefferson's my heart walking around on the outside of my body. And I start, I'm like saying this through tears. It's like he walked out the door, walked down the aisle, and he's never going to come back again. And Todd looked at me, he said, Julie, he just moved two streets away. Right? <laughs> and it was like, I said, that was not what I wanted to hear right then. But this kind of launched me into this very reflective season. I mean, mm. I literally like this two weeks of reflection. I, all the things I, I, I kind of cried about the things I got wrong, celebrated the a couple of things that we got right. But what struck me the most in that, in that two week season, um, I just knew I had to kind of stay there for a minute. And what struck me the most was how much time and energy that I had spent over the last 20 plus years on things that just didn't matter. The spelling test that he failed in the fourth grade, it didn't matter. And really his SAT scores, I don't even remember what they are now. It just didn't matter. All the vegetables Mm. he didn't eat, 
didn't matter. And it was like this reset. And I, I started to, to reflect on this. And, and, and then even in my, in my, um, not just my parenting journey, but my leadership in my relationships, you know, I just started to make a list of, of what had the, what, what, what didn't matter. And then what had actually had the most impact and brought the greatest joy, what had moved the kingdom forward. And that, that list started driving my prayer time and my calendar and my priority. Mm. This list included things like commitment matters. Our future is forecasted by the commitments that we make. Having fun matters because the joy of the Lord is our strength and a joyless marriage is a weak marriage, right? Um, that vision matters and mm. the list go on and on. But but th- this be, this list of things that actually <clears throat> matter just began to drive this this season, this next season of my life. And I, I want to give my time, my energy, my my relational equity to the things that matter the most. That's good. I think as you're speaking, I think all of us who are leading in some way, shape or form can relate to this idea or the fact that mm-hmm. we find ourselves giving giving time mm-hmm. to things that ultimately don't really matter. I mean, they, they, they might not be completely unimportant or it's not that they don't, you know, that this, but mm-hmm. ultimately like at the, at the end of the day, like at the, they really aren't what matters most. Mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit, just kind of practically speaking, yeah. you know, you mm-hmm. talked about making a list. I mean, I, I think that's yeah. practical, but, but yeah. what are some practical things that helped you identify this? Cause I think I want, I want to get better at this. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. I yeah. focus and intensify my time, attention and energy towards things that really matter most. Yeah. Well, I think, I think for me, it did start with making a list. I have a list of about 10 things um, with, you know, with even scriptures next to them. Um, but it, it starts with making the list and taking some time being reflective. Mm. I don't think we take enough time to reflect on these kinds of things. And, and then even taking a look at your mark, your, your finished to do list at the end of the day and look at it and say, how much of what I did today mattered. When I think about what matters most, I'm not just talking about what I'm doing. I'm talking about who I am becoming. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage, I mean, anyone to just really start building your own list. And then you build your healthy routines out of that list. So my, you know, making sure that if if my my marriage matters, um, that I'm consistently going on a date night and putting in the things that are going to build into that. If um, if my relationship with God really matters, how does my calendar even reflect this? You know, James Clear wrote the book Atomic Habits and he says the quality of our lives depends on the quality of our habits. Our habits, our routines, our daily discipline. So for me it was this this list was driving who I wanted to become and my who list started to drive my to-do list. And so that's and then putting in the practices and disciplines that are going to help support what actually matters the most. I love it. I love it. Just what, with what you just shared right there. I got some things to, to put on my, on my calendar for the next couple of weeks. I love it. Um, Julie, you and Pastor Todd have done an exceptional job at leading Christ fellowship together. And I really love this because my wife, just Lane and I, we lead vertical mm-hmm. church together. Love not it. every pastor, not every you know, pastoral family or couple is called to do church in the same way, you know, but some of us do have a together call. And um, can you share with us about the importance, and it's kind of connected to this, what we're talking about, of having a vision for your personal leadership, but then also having a vision for your together leadership? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Virgil. I mean, you know, I think vision is so important. One of those things that really matters in Proverbs, it says that where there is no vision, people perish Perish. and marriages perish. Generations are going to perish without vision and intention. And and when I think about a vision for myself and for our marriage, I'm probably going to land on marriage a little bit more. Um, It's not just what I see for for our marriage, but it's what God sees. And when you think about the spiritual vision, like you can't get from here to there if you don't know where there is vision, our vision actually helps build a bridge from where we are to where God wants to take us. And, you know, I think about our church vision that, that we have this vision that, I mean, our, our whole team can, can chant that we're going to, we're called to lead a radical transformation for Jesus Christ in our region and beyond every one of us every day, everywhere. And that statement paints a really clear picture of where we want to go. And it's inspirational. It inspires us to do more, to be more, to go further than we would without a vision. 
the, the vision is also aspirational, that we're not there yet. It's where we're mm-hmm. going. Just like we need a vision for our church. Um, and like I said, we spent lots of time crafting that statement to make yeah. sure every part of it mattered, right? But I wonder what would happen if we would just spend the same amount of time um, on on creating a vision for our marriage for our family, for our own personal leadership. And, you know, and I'll, I'll land on marriage just for a few minutes, but, you know, we know, Todd and I know that we're going to be married a lot longer, a lot longer than we're going to be senior pastors at Christ Fellowship. Yeah. And if we don't invest and sow into this, there's not going to be anything left when when we move on from being the senior pastors and so we knew that we had to, we had to just set out a vision of where we want to be um, a year from now five years from now and for us um, we we have declared that we want our marriage to be the greatest message that we ever preach mm. and I, that and that kind of sums it up and the reason this is so important is because we know that our church family, they're not going to remember the sermon that we preached three years ago. Mm-hmm. Sadly, they're not going to remember the sermon that we preached three weeks ago. I mean, we worked really hard on that sermon, but they, they're they probably not going to remember it. Um, or, you know, that that worship song that we just crushed on the weekend or that new initiative that that we led in student ministries. But our church is going to remember if our marriage blows up, it's going to remember if we leave a wake of devastation in our path. And, you know, I think all of us as leaders, whether we're on the platform or whether we're off the platform, we have more influence than we know. And there are a lot of people that that are looking to us to to inspire a vision for their own lives. And, you know, and through the years, like we've heard people say so many times that ministry is really hard on marriage or, or ministry can really tear a marriage apart. And when you look at like the statistics of of ministry couples that struggle and how many marriages, you know, that have failed. I mean, just if you just it's it's so sad and you could believe that this is the truth. But I believe that this is a myth. I don't believe that that ministry is hard on marriage, because when you think about what ministry is in its purest form, it's to is to carry the message of the gospel to love people. And I've never seen a marriage end because one person loved God too much or one person served the other one completely and selflessly. But I have seen marriages fall apart when there's been when there's been a lack of accountability or when we get so busy serving humanity that we forget to serve the humans that are right the closest ones with us. I've, I've seen, you know, that killer relationship, but ministry in its purest form, it really should make our marriages stronger because marriage and ministry, they're, they're both God's idea. They're both were these two institutions that, that God put in place so that it would be a reflection of his heart and extension mm-hmm. of his hand. And at the end of the day, you know, that, that these should be in, they should complement each other mm-hmm. and not, with each other. So, um, so this is our vision, you know, again, that, that our marriage would be the greatest message. And if, the, if that's going to happen, we have to invest in it. I love that pastors, leaders, mm. everybody pay attention to this. This is so important. I think, you know, I think what the truth is, um, it's so easy to get wrapped up in all the things that we're doing, yeah. that then we lose focus of what matters most, which is my marriage, my family, you know, our first ministry. Right. Um, right. And, I, and I don't think, you know what, Pastor Julie, I don't think that people do this on purpose. I don't think oh, the pastors no. No. are setting out to say, well, I'm going to just give myself to the ministry, but somewhere, somewhere along the way we lose sight. And I think maybe in previous generations, we didn't do as good of a job addressing this yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or bringing light to it. Would you agree with that? I, I would totally agree with that. And I think it, it also, it goes back to, I mean, vision obviously isn't enough. And again, can't go through my whole list, but you know, it really is. Vision's a good start, but you've mm-hmm. got to put it in just like, you know, culture is such a buzzword. We do, we're so intentional about creating a culture in our mm-hmm. churches, in our businesses. Um, but what if we're that intentional about creating a culture in our, in our family? You've got, you know, there's, there's values like for us, because we have that clear vision. It also drives like certain values. We, we talk about this, you know, that, um, that, that we want to be the safest place 
for the hardest conversations that, that fighting right matters. So we have values that kind of support that. And, um, and our calendar reflects it. We, we joke a lot um, about um, when people ask us, you know, how do you fuel the vision? We're like, first of all, if you're in a position where you can preach, where you're preaching the word, preach on relationships often, mm-hmm. because I've never had it so good as when we're preaching on the relationship series, right? I mean, I'm getting flowers. He's opening the car door. We're going on date nights. It's amazing. But um, but I think that, you know, there's a few things about praying together. I think this sounds like a no-brainer as pastors, but, you know, this is not easy. And there's a lot of people, if you look at the statistics, people, you know, that they they don't pray together. Couples, yep. it's very easy to to let that one slide. And I think sometimes that, that we think we tell others to pray together, but we might think that we're the exception to the rule. And what we're <laughs> called to in marriage is already hard enough. And we're called to lead in the, you know, in the church of Jesus Christ. Um, we, we need to, we, we need more than what, what we have to offer. We need more than the natural. We need the supernatural in our lives and, and, and we need a, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to, um, to be able to sustain what the, the pressures of what mar- what being married and being in ministry um, bring. And so, and I, I always tell people, Hey, you've got to prioritize fun. Um, like I said, you just, you know, ministry is challenging and 2020 and 2021 hasn't really let up a whole lot, but, um, but really making sure that, that you spend time um, having fun together. And then I think the last thing is, is that really inviting people in to your lives to ask you the hard questions and all these things are things that we tell everybody else to do, but we have to remember as ministry leaders that as soon as we think that we are an exception to the things that we tell everybody else to do, we are we are heading down a slippery slope. And so we tell others all the time to find accountability to mm-hmm. you know and to ask hard questions. And we have that. We have someone that comes in once a month. His name's Lance Witt. He's amazing. He wrote the book Replenish about making, you know, um, making a ministry that can be holy, healthy, and humble. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he he asks us the hard questions. And I'm so glad we've had that because it matters. Yeah. yeah. It really does. It's what matters most. And so I'm glad we've talked about this. Let's segue here into another thing that matters, especially as pastors and leaders, moments, moments matter. I've heard you speak about this and it really is intriguing. Um, Can you share with us how a little bit as pastors and ministry leaders, we have the opportunity to steward these sacred moments in people's lives. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, that's Great question. I am so passionate about this. I mean, anyone on our team would tell you that, you know, almost every single weekend when we step into our our worship times together or even in a small group or celebrate recovery, any place where we're inviting the Holy Spirit to to be a part that his manifest presence is there. You know, it mm-hmm. we we call this we it really is this series of sacred moments. Mm. Like, strung together. I mean, like the next, you know, the next several hours where we are, you know, we're running, we're having our weekend services. It's, it's this series of sacred moments because every single moment is like filled with Holy spirit potential. Mm-hmm. And you know, in, in, when you think about in 2022, um, you can get great worship and a great word 24 seven on your phone, anytime you want. And, and for us, we have to ask ourselves the questions, you know, what can they get here? Mm. in this place That's that good. they cannot get anywhere else. That from the time that someone pulls on the parking lot, right, and is greeted by someone that's prepared a space for them, and they sit in these seats, you know, right, where that have been prayed for, prayed that they would experience anointed worship and actually hear the Holy Spirit of God speak to them. Every single moment that we walk through together every weekend, there, there are salvation moments waiting to happen. There are moments of freedom, healing, mm-hmm. just waiting to happen. And every moment is filled with eternal possibility because every single moment is filled with God's presence because where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. And as leaders, it's, it's our responsibility to care for and to prepare for those moments that he's actually entrusting us with. And I, I tell our team all the time that um, that we are moment makers. 
And I know that kind of makes some people a little hard, like, wait a minute, you know, I'm not the moment maker, you know, the Holy Spirit's the moment maker. And that is true. You know, we can't make salvation happen. We don't have the power to heal or to set anyone free. But when we recognize like the sacredness of what we hold in our hands, it, it compels us to make the most of every single moment we've been entrusted with that we really are, like you said, stewards of sacred moments, that Mm. what a steward is, a steward has a lot of responsibility, but the master has all the authority. Mm -hmm. So we have this responsibility to prepare for, to to prepare for these moments that are going to reflect his heart, um, to remove distractions, to, to create opportunities um, to be so prepared that that it it removes every single obstacle for people to experience the moments that God has waiting for them. And and I, I think this is like this is so exciting that we get to partner with the God of the universe, <laughs> people to experience him week in and week out in our groups, in our student ministries, you know, in our weekend services. So I love it. You guys do this so well at Christ Fellowship. I mean, I mean, so well. I've experienced it at the Christ Fellowship Conference and and events, you know, and services that I've been at. You do this so well. And we would be wise to lean in and learn, you know, from, from Christ Fellowship, from other churches and pastors who are doing it well. I really, really think that we sometimes underestimate the power of a well-orchestrated, prayed for and prepared moment where Holy Spirit has, he's, he's, he's going to do what he's going to do, right. but we are positioning ourselves for it. I've heard okay. you differentiate between Kronos and Kairos. Yeah. 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 Can you talk about yeah. that? Yeah, that's good. Well, um, you know, first of all, when I look back at myself, like when I was standing at that checkout counter, on that Saturday night when Todd had asked me to go to dinner, right? Um, standing at that checkout counter, I had no idea that something new was waiting for me at the mm-hmm. end of that night, that actually that I was getting ready to enter into a, a whole new season. Like every single wow. page of my story from that night on was written with Todd's name on it, right? And so my expectation was for dominoes, right? It was not a diamond. And so my expectation was so low, but this this moment changed everything. And like I said, not all time is created equal. Some moments stand out above others and there is a before and there is an after. And in the English language, we have one word for the word time and it's the word chronos. And we know that chronos is, ha- is the quantity of time. It's minutes, hours, days, weeks. But there's actually a word that scripture uses that more accurately conveys the, how God measures time. And it's actually used 86 times in scripture. And a lot of you know this, but it's it's the word kairos. And kairos is a quality of time. It's, it's the season of time and opportunity. The definition is when conditions are actually right for something crucial to be accomplished. It's this appointed time for decision. And when you think about it, you know, in 1 Corinthians, it says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can even imagine what God has in store Mm. for those who love him. And our God is this God of new. He's the God of an unexpected. And so he wants to do something new and unexpected in our lives and in the people's lives that we lead every single week. And he wants to use us to be a part of it. And so um, when I think about that, I think these these Kairos moments many times are these unexpected moments, mm. right? Um, they're the times when, again, eternity invades people's humanity. And um, and, and it's, it's a crucial time. There's a before and there's an after Um, And it's a time of decision. And I love that we get to be a part of doing that. You don't want to miss this month at Avail or any month for that matter. Why? Because each month, the Avail Online Leadership Series happens. A live call with leaders from around the world who have a passion for God and key leadership insights to impart to you. Interact with authors, pastors, and influencers from every industry. And the best part? It's free. To get registered right now, head over to theartofleadership.com. What are you waiting for? You know, I think I'm pretty confident that to, to, 
to get to where an organization gets, it's not just one day. It's it's learning, it's growing, it's observing. I'm pretty confident you guys have learned and observed along your journey in all these years, decades, right, of ministry together. Um, what would be some practical advice you could give yeah. all of us when it comes to we want to steward these sacred moments well. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and and obviously that's not like an overnight, okay, here's the formula. Like there, what, what are some things we can consider, pray about, think about, and start practicing to become yeah. better stewards? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talk about this a lot. We talk about developing a mindset of a moment maker. Mm-hmm. And because there is a mindset that you have to have to build a culture of Kairos moments. And mm-hmm. again, if God's doing this new thing, and no eye's seen it, no ear has heard about it, no one's even thinking about it, mm-hmm. it's going to be really easy to miss it if we're not prepared for it. And you even like go back to like, I just think a great model is is Acts chapter two, right? Um, was the ultimate Kairos moment, the most defining God moment in history. Um, and But it was a moment that nobody saw coming, right? That even though like when we think about Acts chapter two, um, when the, even though like it was unexpected for the 3000 people who experienced it when the Holy Spirit fell um, in the upper room, there were 120 that were actually prepared for it. And I think like when you look at the story of what the disciples did, that that Jesus told them to go and to wait mm-hmm. and they waited, the 120 waited, they got prepared. Right. And then it says suddenly. Suddenly there was a sound of a mighty wind. The Holy Spirit came. The disciples were filled. Peter preached and 3000 were saved. The church of Jesus Christ was born. And we're the result of that moment. And truly like a Kairos moment. So there, the moment would have been missed if a few moment makers hadn't been prepared. And again, their job was to be ready. God's job was to show up. Mm-hmm. And there's always, so the mindset of a moment maker is there's always a moment before a moment. So we're, we're constantly like, challenging our team. What's the moment before the moment? The moment before before the day of Pentecost, there was an upper room. Before the entrance to the promised land, there was a call to consecration. Before Joseph was able to go into the palace, there was a pit and a prison. And someone has to be prepared. We say that all the time that expectation requires preparation. Mm -hmm. Expectation requires. So if we're expecting heaven to invade humanity every single weekend, every single time we gather as a group or, or student ministry, um, we're, we're expecting God to show up suddenly. We're, we're the, as the stewards, we have to be ready. So expectation requires preparation. So we tell them to look for the moment before the moment. Um, the, the suddenlies happen suddenly and they can be missed. And so, you know, one thing we realized, um, that because they can be unexpected, I, even though they're unexpected, I think we can be ready for them. And around Christ Fellowship, probably like a lot of teams, we work really hard um, going into the weekend. We roll in on Sunday morning and there's lots of logistics and lots of work to be done. And we started to notice that that there were many weekends that we were prepared for the service, but we weren't always prepared for the sacred. Let me say that again. We were prepared mm. to have service but we weren't always prepared for the sacred. And so we knew that we had to, you know, we, we didn't just have to look for the moment before the moment. We had to create a moment for the moment, kind of like an upper room experience, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where the, the 120 could get prepared yeah. so that thousands could experience what God wanted to do. And so we, one of our things we started doing was we, we have um, every Thursday, at three o'clock, we have something called Thursdays at three, right? And um, and this is this is this time of preparation that no matter where you are, no matter what role you hold at Christ Fellowship, you might be in the films team, the accounting team, or the worship team. We stop everything at all of our locations across all fourteen locations across all of our ministries. We stop and we pray. And we begin to have this, it's where teams gather for 30 or 45 minutes. And we have this moment before the moment. Um, we pray and intercede that the Holy Spirit, we're, we're expectant for the mm. Holy Spirit to show up. And and this isn't just another meeting. It really is the moment for the moment because it actually, before everyone goes, um, before everyone goes their separate ways, Friday, Sabbath and Saturday, it's like we're leaning in, we're looking to the weekend. And then we also said, you know, that, that another moment for the moment is that, 
sometimes our pre-service huddles, you know, we all gather together and pray before service starts. They became, they'd be, they'd become rundowns and checklists with teams. And, and we do have to be prepared. We have to have, you know, the, 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 the natural preparation, but we didn't want to miss the opportunity to invite the supernatural presence of God. And, um, and every huddle, it's like, Worship leaders, yeah, we're going to run down the list, but we're reminding the worship leaders that that you're not just leading songs, you're prophesying God's word over his people. You're equipping them with the weapons of warfare to carry them into the battles that they're going to fight in everyday life. In the children's ministry huddle, it's like we're not just like going to, you know, put out the crafts. Remember, in the race to a child's heart, the first one there wins. And this weekend, we're running hard to win the race. And there's this urgency this urgency that we create to create moments that are going to win the next generation. So we had to create a few of the moments before the moment, right? They didn't, they don't come naturally. Um, and we could have, we can miss some moments if we're not, you know, if we're, if we're not looking for them and then if we don't create them and then for, you know, for our teams, we tell them all the time that, you know, your time to be prepared in the physical is as you're leaning into the weekend so that when people start walking through the doors, everything is set and everything is ready so that we can be prepared for the suddenlies that God wants to do in someone's life. So, so your teams are prepared so that when that person walks through the door that might be going through a hard time, that you and your team, are you're ready to stop and pray because you know that all the bases are covered. I love this. You know, I'm thinking part of this requires really a great team. And, and we're going to segue into, into kind of the importance of team health. But let me just say the importance of having creative people, mm-hmm. people that are sensitive to God's, to the Holy Spirit and and people that maybe are gifted in ways because not everybody's built or wired the same way. And I imagine there's been people on the team from, you know, from the top tier leadership down, you know, down to volunteer leaders, maybe that, that just are learning this craft, yeah. um, you know, of, of thinking in this way. Cause before it might've been like, okay, what do we have to do? We have to do these things, we have to accomplish this and we have right. to do this task. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, and so now it's, it's, we actually have to have a, people that are gifted in thinking mm-hmm. and, and crafting these moments. Would you agree with that? I would, I would totally agree. I think that, um, that, you know, again, people that are gifted in that, but also I think that the creating that time and place, the Thursdays at three, you know, for 30 minutes that no matter, you know, again, like I said, no matter if you're on the finance team, which I mean, they they can be creative, but usually they're not the ones that are crafting those moments. Right. Um, But for that time that everybody's coming together, like there is this unity of team and there's a valuing of what everybody's contribution is to the team, right? Um, there's a lot, a lot of times we, you know, um, I we, we have our staff meeting every single week and there's this constant like celebration, creating again, moments mm-hmm. um, of celebration. That's another, um, an, another, another moment that I think is really important that really matters. Creating those moments of celebration where we're celebrating everyone's contribution and so that no one, you know, that, that no one feels like they're less than or that they're mm-hmm. Isn't as valuable as the others because of you know what they may bring to the team, but but those that that unity that oneness where you know where all of those team members come together, it's just I can't even explain. There's just a, an anointing that um, I mean you know Psalm 133 it says that behold how good and pleasant it is for when they when we dwell together in unity. It's there that the Lord commands a blessing, and there's a blessing when we all come together and yeah. spiritually prepare our hearts for what God's going to do. And, and, and then also physically prepare the environment. I mean, this is, this is a much, as much practical as it is spiritual, right? That we're moving obstacles, that we're creating spaces and places where it's easy for people to find, um, find God and find those moments, those healing moments, salvation moments that we're praying and expecting God to do. That's good. Um, man, I, I love this. This conversation, I could literally talk about this for a few hours. I know, right? <laughs> so we've been talking in this conversation Julie, about what matters most. We just talked about moments matter. Let's transition to this, I guess, this third part, this third leg of this race here. Team health matters. Team health matters. And so many times our leaders and our staff teams, they might be walking through their own struggles, their Mm -hmm. own shortcomings, their own pain. And and I heard you at the the Christ Fellowship Conference uh, uh, some weeks ago talk about – you guys going through a journey in these last couple of years with everything happening and discovered this reality on your staff team. Let's talk about Team Health Matters. 
Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, absolutely healthy teams are made up of healthy people. So it all starts with soul health, you know, soul health really matters. And in ministry, I think, um, I think it's really important to remember that you can't separate spiritual health from physical, emotional, and mm-hmm. mental health. You know, soul health is about all of that. And, mm-hmm. um, and at the end of 2021, um, when we asked our team, when we looked back at 2021 and we asked our team what the highlight of the year was, there was this overwhelming number one answer that I did not anticipate. Wow. And it was something that we called Operation Hope. And, um, and the reason I was shocked was because if you asked anyone in our church family what Operation Hope is, they would not be able to tell you because they don't even know about it. This was this internal initiative with our staff and team that actually changed the course um, of our staff and team at the very heart and soul. And um, it was really this combination um, of months of, of prayer and preparation and this conversation that began with this burden that that I really was under for several months. And honestly, if I if I were to like tell you what the burden was, I mean, I just became so sick and tired of seeing so many amazing, dynamic leaders fall so far, so fast. I mean, I'm talking about like leaders that, and again, I, I told you I'm planted in the same church for 35 years. So these yeah. are like spiritual kids that have grown up in our house that, mm-hmm. that loved Jesus. They loved the church. They were on fire. And in a short period of time to watch the enemy take mm. them out because of an area in their life that, that they were in bondage to. And, and some of it was things like addiction and an impact of sexual sin, pornography. And then some of it was yeah. a battle with depression and fear and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And as I was in prayer about that, I mean, it just, it broke my heart. And as I was in prayer about this, um, and I, I can honestly say, like, I can count on one hand the times that I just sensed the Lord was speaking so clearly. And this was one of those times in prayer, just as my heart was breaking about these these people called, I mean, called of God yeah. um, that were being taken out. As I was praying, the the Lord just spoke to my heart and as clear as as your voice, it was that it wasn't audible, but it was this clear that the enemy has a strategy and the enemy is trying to take the next generation out before they get started. And when you think about it, and he brought me to Acts chapter two, that in these days, God's going to pour out his spirit, that his sons and his daughters are going to prophesy. And he knows, the enemy knows if he can silence their voice, Mm-hmm. He can rob them of their purpose, steal hope from an from an entire generation. If he silences their voice, it also goes on to say that old people are going to dream dreams. And that means they're going to see things in the spiritual. And, and I think that that for the rest of us, you know, some of the older, <laughs> we're not the sons and daughters that are um, that 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 the scripture talks about. We're the older ones. Right. Mm-hmm. God wants to put spiritual dreams. And I I see the strategy of the enemy that he wants to steal the fruit yeah. of longevity. Right, steal the fruit of longevity. That his strategy is to take people out after years of faithfulness, so he can destroy their legacy. And man, I mean, I've just seen this like just rampant. And as church leaders, you know, I, I, I found ourselves that we go to battle every single week for our church family. I mean, we say things like we tell them like we're going to believe for you, what you can't believe for yourself. We're going to fight for your freedom. And I just started thinking, you know, that that sometimes we're believing for them what they can't believe for themselves. But we have a hard time believing ourselves for ourselves what we're believing for everybody else. Mm. And, you know, as church leaders coming out of COVID season and and what I saw was that um, was that a lot of our leaders, a lot of our team, they were battle weary. And um, and so this was wearing them down. And I knew that if the enemy had a strategy to take them out, the old and the young, that we needed a strategy to keep them in. And so we knew we had to go to battle and fight for the calling for the sons and daughters um, and fight for the to fight for the calling for people that were having a hard time fighting for themselves. And so we we launched something called Operation Hope. And this was like our strategic battle plan. And this is the deal. We know that there is this high bar to the calling that we have in ministry. And, and we never want to lower that bar, but we also knew and still know 
that there are people on our team that need help mm-hmm. reaching the bar. They want to reach the bar, but they have had, they they again have had to live in hiddenness for so long that that they haven't even known who they could go to for help. So so what we did was again, this was, you know, our our battle strategy is that that after a lot of prayer, a lot of preparation, um, we declared a 90-day Kairos season or a Kairos moment for our team, where again, eternity hmm. could could inter interrupt our humanity. And this vision behind Operation Hope is that we're declaring this Cairo season to fight for for the call of God for for those who feel like they may be in this losing battle. And so mm. we wanted to bring to light like things that were in darkness in order for God's grace to be experienced through his spirit, mm-hmm. through people and through God's truth that was going to bring some lasting victory. So so that's kind of, you know, the vision behind it. So you want me to get practical a little bit there and how we yeah, yeah. what I would love to do, because I know every every church looks different, you yeah. know, but, yeah. but here's what I find with what you guys uh, mm-hmm. did with Operation Hope. It really is scalable and reproducible. It doesn't matter if you're a church with two staff members and a yeah. lot of volunteer leaders that you want to address, or you're a church with hundreds of employees. So get, let's get a little practical. What what were a few examples of things that, that not only you guys did, but that we could do in our own churches yeah. or with our leaders? Yeah. Well, for all, what we did was when we declared it as season, we said, hey, everyone, we're all, we're all jumping into this season together. This is a call up for everyone, Mm. deeper accountability to search, you know, to search the things that, that could be hidden. And I mean, every one of us has, have areas that God wants to do a deeper work. So the first thing we did was we normalized it, right? We said, this is for everyone mm-hmm. so that people didn't feel like they were you know maybe on the outs because because they were dealing with things so this is for everyone and we became very open and honest about you know some of the struggles that we might have been having but we also said but for many of you you know for many of you there there could be this area that it may not take you out in ministry today but you know that if you continue down this path you mm. know that you could be headed for trouble i mean you're not addicted to pornography but you stared at that image a little bit too long. Your sure. marriage isn't in shambles or in devastation, but your eyes might have wandered a couple of times and wondered if something else might be better. And again, this mm. this wasn't just about sin issues. You know, it could be that, that some of you, you may not be, you know, m- might be totally burned out, but you find yourselves numbing with food and binging on Netflix a little bit too long, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so we launched like these studies and again, we made it normal. It's like, we're going to launch hope for mental health on our staff. We're going to, we're launching men's and women's purity groups and, and some step studies because we know that it would be very difficult for you to be in a step study with, with the people that you're leading in ministry. So we want to do this together. And again, we, we normalize that, 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 mm-hmm. um, that, that step studies are for people that have hurts, habits, and hangups. Who doesn't have that? And so- mm-hmm. We, you know, we begin to normalize that. And so that was for many. But then we said, hey, we know there's some of you that 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 there are some of you that if we if if we knew hmm. how and Julie knew what you know, you would probably be ashamed. And you know that you're walking through something that could take you out of ministry and 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 that and and take Take, take you away from the God call on your life. And we want you to know that you don't have to fight alone. So mm. what we did was we just said, we took this like many times when someone was struggling with something, it was, it was like, this is an HR situation, you know, in our environment. So we kind of took it out of HR. We said, you know, we, we developed a, for us, it was a, a really robust system um, mm-hmm. That built a safe place that didn't start with HR, but started with a pastoral conversation um, that led to building a pathway towards health. Um, this wasn't, again, about lowering a bar, but it was about helping people reach the bar. Mm-hmm. And so this was, you know, again, for us, we had some staff pastors that weren't that that wouldn't be particularly the 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 people's supervisors that would help them to be able to navigate to create a 90-day plan. Um, this is this is the deal. We, we we called it Operation Hope because there's actually a science to hope that willpower plus way power plus a goal equals hope. So if your goal, this is what we're telling them, hey, if your goal is to become healthy and strong and vibrant for the long haul, we're gonna come alongside you and fight with you. If you have a will, 
we're going to make the way. We're going to create the pathway. And for us, because we have you know a large team, like I said, we had um, we had point guards and coaches that we had spent months preparing them. Um, and the coaches, when they when they begin to coach them, and again, this is scalable because it's finding either a counselor or um, or a a, um, a a staff pastor mm-hmm. or. Maybe older pastor in your congregation that can help you walk through this. And, and they began, but the coaches began with the end in mind. They, they, they began with a vision, right? Vision matters and mm-hmm. a vision for victory. What's it going to look like post season? And what I mean by that is, is we, we began like showing them the commitment that we're going to ask you to sign at the end, which was actually the same commitment that you signed when you became a pastor. But we're, we're going, Hey, if you, if you're ready to, to, to lean in, to get the help that you need, then we're ready to help you. And it was amazing. We also gave them, um, because it was a season, we gave them two weeks to come forward. Um, we said, this is a Kairos moment. We don't know if we're ever going to do this again, because we don't know if this could be the very worst idea ever. Like we had mm. no idea what was going to, what, what was going to be unearthed. Right. Um, but it was amazing that within 24 hours, I could just cry when I think about this, but mm-hmm. we had members and one of our pastors, our, our coaches called and said, Julie, I've had three people within the last 24 hours sit down and tell me, you know, that, that I, what I'm getting ready to tell you, I have never told anyone. Wow. My wife doesn't know. My parents don't know. And they began to, you know, to confess and there's power in mm-hmm. And so, um, so, but to see like where we are, we're nine months down the road now, but to see, you know, confession come out. And again, we said, confidentiality doesn't mean secrecy. We're going to get you the help that you need. And so many times, you know, the things that they confess that marriages were, you know, husbands and wives came in together that, that we put some, um, we, we put money aside to be able to get the people counseling mm-hmm. that they needed and, and to see freedom from, um, from addiction freedom from depression and anxiety, freedom from pornography, and to see the fruit of this, it has been, and and also I think too, was that it changed our culture. You know, it changed our culture because I think that um, our our younger generation, especially, they had a hard time trusting us, right? Mm. And we went to them and really unpacked um, unpacked this very early on and and said, you know what, We, we want you to know that we want to walk alongside you. And so when they saw us, um, fulfill that commitment and walk through some of the some of the darkness that they had been walking through. It built so much trust, and now what we're finding is people are much more um, much much more uh, vulnerable and mm-hmm. coming forward sooner. Like before something's ready to take them out, a lot because there's been such a culture of trust, people are coming forward sooner, getting the help that they need sooner. And and we've just seen just such a um just a, a rise just all in trust, um, also in authenticity and just to, just to be able to, you know, get get people the help they need. So like I said, we spent months preparing for Operation Help. We trained coaches, we put aside money. We have, we've seen freedom in all of these areas and it was the best investment we ever made um, because our team knows that we don't just care about what they do, but we care about who they are becoming and mm. care. Again, we as leaders that, that we're helping to steward this sacred calling that God's placed on their lives. And so I guess I would just encourage anyone to find, just find a way to provide the safe place to process their pain, whether it's you know, you said staff counseling or staff um, pastor, but I don't know mm-hmm. if there's a perfect plan. Ours wasn't perfect. You know, we we made some mistakes along the way, but I think any plan that normalizes our need to pay attention to our team's soul health and that calls everybody to action um, and then provides great resources is a great step in the right direction. Yeah, I think the lesson here for all of us, pastors, leaders, ministry people, is Team health matters. People's yeah. health yeah. matters. So mm-hmm. important. Um, and what a great lesson to, to learn from Pastor Julie Mullins, along with Pastor Todd, the Christ Fellowship team. I think I think it's going to cause a lot of us to lean in and think, what can we do to care for our staff, to care for our leaders, to care for those key people that God has placed in our churches, ministries, organizations? Because, because not only is it going to help them, but they're going to feel and sense wow, my pastors care about me. 
You know, my leaders care about me. This has been so good, Julie. This has been so good. Just kind of unpacking this. I'm, I think we're going to have to do another one in the future. So I, I'm not going to make you commit here, here wow. live, but we'll, we'll do something again. Cause, cause I think that uh, a lot of us can learn from the great things you guys are doing at Christ fellowship. And speaking of that, um, people that might might want to follow up and, and maybe follow you on social media or know how they can how they can hear more and learn more from what God's doing in you and your ministry. What are the best ways to connect with you? Yeah, okay. There's a few ways. So our website is Christfellowship.church. Um, you can join us there. We'd love to see you there. Um, my Instagram is at Julie D. Mullins. We also have a, we've just launched a um, church leadership podcast, which is called Nexus. And um, that just launched a few weeks ago. And that really came out of conference because we, our Christ Fellowship Conference is every February. You can Mm -hmm. register now um, at, I don't know, Christ Fellowship conference i think price fellowship conference sorry we'll make sure we get that right in the show notes but um but it's a um the but conference is just such a a beautiful time where we get to meet teams like your team and just become family right and then we wanted to extend the the impact of the conference throughout the year and that's why we launched this nexus podcast um todd and i are on it for the first couple weeks but John Maxwell is going to be on that in a couple of weeks and Charlotte Gamble, some of our guests from conference and it's amazing. So we're glad to be a part of that. And then um, I also have a podcast called so good sisterhood podcast, and it's about living intentionally um, leading confidently and loving generously. And it's, just a, been a, a great opportunity to be able to connect with some girls and we've got some guys listening too. So yeah. <laughs> I love it. And, and I will, I'll, I will emphasize if you've never been to the Christ fellowship conference, it's every February, look up Christ fellowship conference online. You'll get there. <laughs> I always take, our entire staff team and extend it out. I mean, we're in South Florida, so we extend it out to a lot of our volunteer leaders and anybody who says, I want to go learn and, and grow in my leadership and in ministry. Uh, and it is a great, great blessing. So uh, pastors, leaders, make sure you do not miss the Christ Fellowship Conference. Um, and we love your church every time because they're the most lively. So we can always woo! tell just in the house. It's awesome. We bring, we bring the, the Latino life. Right. <laughs> love you guys went crazy. We did a, a Latino number yes. time and I saw your team went nuts. It was great. <laughs> so fun. Um, I love resourcing leaders. That's what we're all about at Avail, Pastor Julie. For example, the Avail Journal. I don't know if you've had a chance to see these, but the Avail Journals are so chock full of Hold that up great again. wisdom. Hold that up again. Did you see? That's my that's my twin right there. <laughs> Most of the time people like mistake us for each other. But yeah, she's an awesome leader. I love the Avail Journal. Read it all the time. Thank you for resourcing us with that. Yeah. So if you haven't leader, pastor, if you haven't accessed this, you can claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal by going to availjournal.com. What I love about the Avail Journal is that there's practical leadership resources from men leaders, from women leaders, from ministry leaders and pastors, and also marketplace leaders. You are going to be blessed and encouraged. Availjournal.com. Claim your free annual subscription. We want to empower you and resource you in the art of leadership. Pastor Julie, this has been so good. What, what what do you want to leave everybody, just leave on their hearts on this last little nugget of wisdom? Yeah. Um, well, I guess if I was going to go down my list, I would just say having fun matters, right? Ministry is hard and this has been a hard season. And, you know, I just want to just let you know you're doing better than you think you're doing, but having fun really matters. And I said it earlier, but Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is our strength, mm-hmm. um, just a joyless team is going to be a weak team. So find ways to celebrate with your team every single week. I I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says that joy is the serious business of heaven. So let's be about God's serious business. Come on, joy, joy. I love it. Bring the joy. I have a friend who would always say, bring the joy, Verge. Bring the joy. That's what we, leaders, bring the joy to your home. Bring the joy to your teams. Bring the joy to your church. Bring the joy. I love that. Great thing to to finish off there. Pastor Julie, on behalf of our Avail leadership team, the Avail podcast team, uh, Dr. Sam Chand, Martine Van Tilburg, everybody who's kind of behind the scenes and, and pushing Avail forward. We just want to take a moment to thank you for being on the Avail podcast. And we honor you for your leadership, uh, the, the way you're pastoring and leading so well, the way you're really um, leading by example for so many pastors, so many churches that are leaning in and learning from you and your church. We're proud of you. 
Thank you so much. That means the world. Thank you so much. We appreciate you so much. Hey, everybody, we hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this Avail podcast with Pastor Julie Mullins, who has talked to us about what matters most. Moments matter. Team health matter. Come on, take this information. Take down some notes. Share it with your team. We love you here on the Avail podcast. We can't wait to see you next time here on the Avail podcast where you are growing in the art of leadership. God bless you. Catch you next time on Avail. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Avail Podcast with our guest, Julie Mullins. You can connect with Julie on Instagram by going to at Julie D. Mullins, the website, ChristFellowship.Church, and look out for her So Good Sisterhood podcast. For more leadership resources, check us out at TheArtOfLeadership.com. And make sure to claim your free annual subscription of The Avail Journal at AvailJournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail Media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast.